Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Well, hello. Thanks for joining us today. We're super excited about our time together as we look through God's Word and we talk about uh, the season of rest. We're going to wrap up uh, the series on rest and Sabbathing. It's called Unplugged. We're going to wrap that message series up today and we're going to talk about uh, Psalm 23. If you have your Bible, if you have a, a a smartphone or an iPad or something close by, you can look uh, look up Psalm 23. We're going to spend our time there. And we're talking about exhaustion. Pastor Jeff has led us through several messages talking about exhaustion and the, the weight that some 40 million Americans uh, in 2021 wrestled with anxiety and, and, the, and the, the pressure that, that comes from uh, being tired and, and not being good and fine. We say that, but we're really not, are we? A lot of times the pressure of life is is heavy and we're just going through the motions because we're exhausted and we just don't know where to find rest. Well, we've got a great message today. God's Word actually has a great message today that we can find rest in our Lord Jesus Christ and we can be satisfied and content in Him and Him alone. And so we're going to look at Psalm 23 today. And we're going to see that for, for David, and, and I believe the sentiment is true for us, that it's personal. So it's personal. Psalm 23, David wrote this psalm, Psalm 23, David wrote this psalm when he was an older man. When he was an adult, he was, he was well into his adult, well into adulthood in his adult life. So this wasn't written when David was a young shepherd boy. He's going to talk about, uh, the, the, the idea of a shepherd through this psalm. You may be familiar with it. You may have memorized it even. David refers to the Lord as a shepherd. And so he, he's, he has this shepherding analogy in his brain because he's common. It's common with him. It's, it's, under, it's something he understands and he's very clear about what a, being a shepherd is and he understands sheep. And all through scripture, there's so many places that you can look and, and, and how we're, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're alike. We're like sheep and we're compared to sheep as people. And so David would have understood this. And so he's looking in the rearview mirror at a lifetime of God's faithfulness to him, a lifetime of God's faithfulness, period. Even through adultery and uh, an, a, a, the conspiracy to commit murder and actually committing murder, committing a murder in, in his own life, we're, we're seeing God's faithfulness to David. And so David has some very, very interesting things to say to us in Psalm 23. And so we're going to take a look at that today. And we're just going to jump right in. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Very, very clear here. He leads me beside still waters. Verse number three, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's something I figured out, I found in studying for this message. Hungry sheep don't lie down. I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but hungry sheep don't lie down. They only lie down if they're satisfied. Sheep will continue to go, continue to eat. They'll continue to push forward. They'll continue to do everything that they've been doing. They won't lie down even in the most luscious pastures if they're not satisfied, if they're not full. And so it's like we're compared to, 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 to hungry sheep in, in, in a lot of ways. We, we, we keep going. We, 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 we got to keep rushing. We got to keep grinding. We got to stay in this hustle, man, this daily grind. You know how we do it. You know how we do. 
We're all guilty of it either right now or in our lives in the past, or there's a season coming where we'll do this again, where we work to establish security and wealth. Maybe because we don't trust God to provide for our every need. That's been true in my life. I, I, I've, I've been in a place where I felt like I needed to do it. It was all dependent upon me. But David said, David said in, in verse 1 of Psalm 23, he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I, I shall not want. I don't want for anything. Another translation said, there's nothing that I lack. So David's saying that, that this, comes from, this, this comes from a life that's at peace with the Lord, a relationship with Christ. That he's found contentment in his relationship with Jesus. And I want nothing else. There's nothing else that I need. God is more than enough for me. And so David can say that. But here's what our culture says today. Check this out. Here's what culture says today. You should have this. So you will want it, and so therefore I must do. I mean, think about this. This is this is our cultural uh, this is our cultural uh, uh, norm, our cycle. Culture will say, "Hey, you should have this," and so then I see it and I go, "Yeah, I, I really want that," and so then I try to figure out what must I do to get it. But here's what I think reality is for me, and maybe for you too. It says, "I want something, so I must do what it takes to get it." And now I'm exhausted. Now I'm give out. I'm done. I don't even know where else to go. Man, I'm just exhausted because I've, I've fallen into this. I want and I must have. I, so I do. And now I'm exhausted. We run through this cycle over and over again. We work so hard. We work so diligently to gather things to have. To, to, we are doing so that we can be having is kind of how I equated that in my mind this week. But I want to tell you today that the world will never be enough but we work like it will. I can tell you there's been times and seasons in my life when, when, when I've worked like if I could just gain everything, if I could just gain these things, specific or general, I could gain these things. If I could accumulate or gather these things, if I could have these things, then everything would be okay. But Jesus, Jesus says in his word that, that man, what, what does it profit someone? What does it profit for you? What good is it for you if you gain the whole world? If you gain the whole world, but then you still lose your soul, what good is it to you? So you can gather everything, but it doesn't matter that much if we lose everything. And so in this approach, we've got to be even careful not to train our kids in that next generation. At Southside, we are passionate about the next generation. We've got phenomenal teams of people that are passionate and excited to serve and reach the next generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in thinking about that objective and, and I believe a calling from God for us to do that, I think sometimes in my own life and maybe in yours as well, we, if we're not careful, we'll teach our kids that it's about getting, it's about doing, it's about having. That's what life is really about. We'll teach them that, that you know, I, I heard this, my parents told me this when I was growing up and maybe you'd be familiar with a similar statement. I want my kids to have more or to, to get more, to do more than what I was able to accomplish. My parents were very diligent in that. My parents wanted us, my brother and I, to be successful. They wanted us to, 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 to be productive and to, to have, you know, a good life. But what if we lived, modeled, and taught our kids that what we really need more of is Jesus? What, what, if we, what if we poured into our kids that, man, the things of this world are all passing. They're all going to fade away at some point. But Jesus is the same. Our kids have learned this verse recently. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
And so let's attach and teach our kids to, to put the most value in the one person, not a thing, but in the one person that will never fail them or let them down. And that's the person of Jesus. Because when the, we work like the world will never be, the world will never be enough, but we work like it will. And see, that means we want. That drives us to want more, want more, want more. Here's another statement for you I think is true. Wanting leads to exhaustion. So many times in our life, we want to provide. We want things. We want that nicer house or nicer car or nicer whatever. I'm not saying that's always the motivation. But I think often, especially in our American culture, wanting leads to exhaustion because just like hungry sheep never lie down, we never quit because we're never satisfied. And so what, what I think is difficult for us is, is, is the wanting that leads to exhaustion. And, and in my life, it, this is a lack of contentment. And this is how we stay tired all the time. This is how we stay tired all the time. We have to learn to rest. We have to learn to, we have to learn to, to rest and to, to take a step back. We have to, we have to learn how, how not to be so exhausted, um, from wanting so much and working to get what we want, contentment, Paul gives us in Philippians 4. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture, maybe because, maybe because it's one that is taken out of context more than any other. Philippians 4, Paul is, is telling a group of people, he says, it's not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. He says, I know how to get along with humble means and also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance, having abundance and suffering need. And you may know this verse, very popular among athletes. I can do all things through Christ, who, through him who strengthens me. And so I, I think when we, when we see what Paul is saying here, he says, man, I, I, I've been at both ends of the spectrum. I've had, I've had an abundance and I've had absolutely nothing. I've been hungry with nothing to eat and I've had more than I could eat and more than what I needed. But in all these circumstances, I've learned to be content. I've learned that God is enough and I don't need anything else. God provides everything I need. He is more than enough for me. Here's the thing. That verse, Philippians 4.13, it doesn't mean that I, I can do all things. <coughs> Excuse me. It doesn't mean I can do all things. The verse doesn't stop there. It says through Christ who strengthens me. But we got to take it in context because here's the truth. I'm five foot eight on my best day. I can't dunk a basketball. I am not built for that. I might have a mean layup, but I can't dunk a basketball unless you lower the goal down to about eight feet. That's about the best I can do. So if I say I can do all things, including dunking a basketball through Christ who strengthens me, that's taking that verse out of context because I really can't dunk. Okay. I know I have an athletic build, maybe for a wrestler, but I, th this is not about I can do whatever. This is about I, I've learned to be content. That's really the context of this passage in Philippians 4. Paul's saying, I've learned to be satisfied. When we're not satisfied, when there's a lack of contentment, we usually end up exhausted. We're tired, we're, we give out, but contentment is an aid in a battle against anxiety. We mentioned how many people, 40 plus million people in 2021 battle with anxiety. Well, guess what? Contentment is an aid in the battle against anxiety because when I'm exhausted and, and things are uncertain for me and I'm running around crazy trying to keep up, I put this in my notes, anxiety for Alan is almost guaranteed. But what God is saying through Psalm 23 is that if we will trust and follow him, we can rest peacefully and be restored. 
I saw this quote this week. Endless activity dulls our awareness of his presence and his goodness in the details of our lives. When we rest by the waters and are still before God in our hearts, we return to a place of humility and peace in his presence. Saw this quote, or, or the, you know, this quote when I was studying, and I just thought it was so applicable because, especially just how it starts, endless activity dulls our awareness of his presence. When I, when activity is endless for me, I get exhausted, and then I really, I'm not paying attention to who God is and where he is moving and at work and what he desires, who he desires me to be. But this verse looks a little different. I, I looked this up this week. Uh, just studying, and so I wrote this out, and 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 maybe I'll put it in the notes. Uh, you can check out on our app, on the Southside app. It's the American trans Christian translation. If there were one, I think it would read this way for Psalm twenty three: "The Lord is a shepherd, and I still want." I think that's so American of us. The Lord is a shepherd. Yeah, he's a shepherd. He's a great leader. Yeah, and you know what? The Lord is a shepherd, and, and but I still want. There's still things I want. In our culture and in, in our desire for more, it never seems to end. We, we seem to never be satisfied. We chase the dream life. We want the dream life for the people that live with us. Uh, so, much, so many times believing that having more is what life is really about. Paul contradicts that in Philippians 4. We looked at that a second ago. But how does the desire for more, the lack of contentment, how does that line up with the gospel of Jesus because exhaustion is very real for so many people, but there's another uh, challenge as we walk through uh, as we walk through Psalm 23 and we walk through life. There's another challenge that I think stands out for us here as well uh, through our walk. It's called uncertainty. Another interesting thing about sheep that I found in my study of this passage is sheep don't like moving water. They won't drink moving waters, and so when the waters are turbulent and rough. When the water's when there's a lot going on in the water and it's not still and quiet, sheep will avoid it. Even if they're facing dehydration, they won't drink. They won't drink from moving water because they're afraid. They're uncertain about it, and so the, unless the waters are still, they won't rest. Psalm twenty three says that, that that he he lets he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Well, sheep don't like the uncertainty of moving water. And so for us today, between interest rates and the economy and our health and our finances and the government, uncertainty plays a big role for most of us. Most of us face uncertainty each and every day in our lives. And so when we're uncertain about what tomorrow looks like or what the future holds, I think our, our, our natural instinct uh, sometimes is to take control. And to work harder to provide, to, to, to control what, what's going on and to, to try to have those, met, those uh, methods of control within our power so that we can make sure we provide the certainty for tomorrow or the next day. But for a sheep, uncertainty keeps the sheep from needed refreshment. I'm going to say that again because it's important. Uncertainty keeps sheep from the needed refreshment. Uncertainty keeps us from the refreshment the Lord wants us to experience as we have a relationship and enjoy a relationship with Him. But God, which is such a great two-word statement to, to, to start a sentence, but God has a different path for you and I. It looks different from the cultural example we talked about earlier. So a few minutes ago we said, the culture says, I should have, so I, so I will want it, and I must do what it takes to get it. In reality, it's I want so I must do what it takes, and so now I'm exhausted. Well, here's God's version of that. 
I thought this was super cool. God says, be content because it's done. You can rest. That's so powerful for us today. God said, you can please be content. Be content in him. Be content to walk and follow Christ. Be content to spend time with him. Be content so that you can rest in him. Be content with who God is because it's done. Jesus said it's finished. When he was on the cross, when he took the sin of the world on his shoulders and he paid the penalty for the sin of the world, including yours and mine, Jesus said it's done. It's done. And so guess what? You can rest because of that. You can rest. I can rest because of that. Such a powerful statement. Moving forward. Despite the circumstances, verses verses 4 and 5 in Psalm 23 We'll see this here. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Even though we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, even though from time to time in life we find ourselves in places and in scenarios and situations that like they're, like we can't imagine what happens now. We don't know what to do. There's uncertainty. There's peril. If we find ourselves in the worst place in the world, in the valley of the shadow of death, when we find ourselves walking through, there's no sitting in it. He doesn't say, if you sit down in the valley, he says, as you walk through it. He says, as you walk, as you move forward through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil. See, we can walk through valleys with confidence to know that we're not alone because here's the promise that God made. He said, I will be with you. David said, you are with me. He tells the Lord, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But it also adds, you anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. See, the presence of the shepherd may not remove the presence of the enemy, but it should remove the fear of it. The presence of the shepherd should remove the opportunity to fear what is happening around us. I heard a pastor say that when in, in Scripture, uh, it says, you know, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind, which is true. Everything in God's Word is true. And so since that is true, but I heard a pastor take that passage, and he says he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. It's not a feeling of fear. It's a spirit. And so if you have a spirit of fear, that didn't come from God. And so we can remove the fear when we walk and we rest in the presence of the enemy, uh, in the presence of the shepherd. See, the enemy may surround us, But the shepherd promises we will experience blessing and provision in the middle of it. He doesn't just say you'll you'll just be protected. He says you have prepared a table. And that's that's a cool environment in and of itself that we just don't have time to get into. He said, but you, you you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. And so guess what? The blessing that God gives you as you rest in him, even in the difficult times of life, the blessings that God pours out on you and the protection and the provision that he gives you in those moments, guess what? The truth is, is he doesn't just do that for you. God wants that to spill over and impact other people because when your cup overflows, somebody else is going to be impacted from those blessings and that provision and the presence of God in your life can impact the, the lives of others around you. This is a position of comfort in the middle of chaos. It's what David is communicating. This is comfort in the middle of chaos. I can be comfortable and confident right here in the middle of all the craziness that's going on in the world. Peace in the middle of the problem. Man, when everything is breaking and going crazy in my world, I can find rest and peace right here in this particular place. 
because I'm in the presence of the shepherd. It's not us that has the power to, to bring peace in those moments. It's the power of the presence, power and presence of God himself, of our Savior, Jesus Christ, being with us in the middle of that valley. See, our overflowing cup is a picture of blessing in the, in the life of the follower of Christ. This is trusting God in all circumstances and experiencing his goodness, not only in your own life, but apparently this goodness overflows to others as well. And so how do we how do we look at all we've read today as we look at the, the last verse in Psalm chapter 23, we're going to look at verse 6 and we're going to see the celebration of rest, the celebration that comes when we rest in Jesus. Surely goodness and loving kindness, I, I remember it as surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, resting is the opposite of doing. Resting really to me maybe is more like trusting. And so when he says that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, I'm big on words uh, and how what they really mean, like especially biblically, like what the root words are and what they really mean as I study those things. One of the things I saw in this particular passage, the word here, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. The word follow really is more, it's, it's not a passive term. It's very active. Uh, it's very aggressive even. It's, it's, it's more, like, um, more like pursuing. It's more like uh, chasing. And so I, I put in my notes, this is like being, it's like being chased like you stole something. Maybe you've never stole anything. I'm not saying I have, but I have seen people uh, be chased down because they took something. And so what I'm telling you is, is, is that imagine that moment of being chased like you stole something. Here's a funny anecdote for you. I don't know what this will mean to you. And I said I wasn't going to say it, but here I am saying it anyway. When I was a kid, I was growing up. I was a teenager. I was interested in girls. And my dad, I remember my dad told me, he said, son, you chasing them girls is like a dog chasing a car. You wouldn't know what to do with it if you caught it. The good thing about this particular analogy, goodness and mercy are going to chase you like a dog chasing a car. It says goodness and mercy will pursue you. They will chase you. They will hunt you down every day of your life. Here was the further meaning of that in scripture. It's about our life here on earth. This is about our life here on earth. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. The, the original language and text speaks more to our life here, our physical life here on earth. But this is a promise for today and forever because he says, not only will goodness and mercy follow you in this life, he says, but David said, but I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You will spend eternity with our Lord Jesus in heaven. So this isn't the, I'll rest when I'm dead. Like that's what leads to exhaustion, right? That work ethic that 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 says, I'll never stop, man. I gotta keep grinding. I gotta keep going. Well, hey man, you need to take some time to rest. I'll rest when I'm dead. It, it's not that kind. This is not that kind of rest. This is about resting in the Lord for peace and contentment today and forevermore. This is about finding satisfaction in the fact that Jesus is more than enough. He meets every need that we have and he is more than enough for us to find rest and peace in him today. Because here's what, here's what I want us to finish with. Contentment comes when it's as personal to us as it is to him. And this is just, this was difficult for me when I, when I thought about my life and I thought about contentment and how I, sometimes I honor the gift more than the giver. But this this is about how personal Jesus took it. We started off saying it's personal. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He made a personal declaration that this is about a relationship that he desires 
with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. He's not some shepherd. He's my shepherd. And that's personal. Well, you know what? It was personal to Jesus too. It was personal to Jesus too because Jesus said in John chapter 10, Jesus explains this very clearly to a group of people. He says in John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And if that wasn't absolutely clear, Jesus sums it up in verse 15. He says, I lay down my life for the sheep. See, the greatest blessing will be an intimate fellowship with God through continued time with him. When we find rest in Christ, when we can find a place every day to just take a few minutes to spend with Jesus, to get quiet. I think rest is about peace. Scripture says that God will keep in perfect peace the mind that is steadfast on him. And so if you want to find perfect peace, then apparently according to God's word, you've got to have your mind steadfast on Christ, on God. And so I think this is about contentment comes when we take it so personally that we know that I can find rest in my Savior, in my shepherd, in your shepherd, that you can find rest in the Lord Jesus Christ as you confess your sin and you spend time with him and let him restore the promises. He said he restores my soul. He, even in difficult times, he makes my life overflow with blessings and abundance. He, he anoints my head with oil. And I get to spend every day of my life being pursued by God's goodness and his mercy. And I know that when I pass from this life to the next, that I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But it starts with a relationship with Jesus and resting in him. Because here's the takeaway today. When we rest, he works in our hearts, in our lives, and in the world around us. And so it's easy to rest when you know somebody else is working for you. And I believe God wants you to know today that if you will take time each and every day, intentional time, to find a space to be quiet before Him and let Him be content with who Christ is, find your peace and your rest in Him. I believe that He will overflow in your life in ways that you can't even imagine. I believe that's true because God's Word says it is. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Hey, as we finish our message today, if, if God's word has prompted you to take a next step, man, we're, we, we don't want this to stop here for you. We want this to be a continuation and an overflow for, for God to continue to work and move and for you to see the, the joy and the blessing and the benefit, the power that comes from God moving in your life. So stay tuned. There's going to be some slides coming up to show you how to take your next steps. Thanks for joining us. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.